Hi, everyone. Welcome to Waste 360's Nothing Wasted podcast. On every episode, we invite the most interesting people in waste, recycling, and organics to sit down with us and chat candidly about their thoughts, their work, this unique industry, and so much more. So thanks for listening and enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. Hope you enjoyed your lunch. I just wanted to introduce our next panel. This one is going to be great. It, it's a crossover of brand, municipality, company, uh, and I think you'll get a lot out of it. It's sustainable collaboration across the private and public sector, and what are the common goals and aspirations. And Jonathan North from Rare Pacific is going to moderate, and he will come and introduce his panelists. Thank you, enjoy the session. So first off, Liz, I'd like to thank you and, and the entire Waste 360 for having me back this year and, and allowing us the opportunity to bring some, some friends and guests with us this year. Um, so yeah, I'd like to introduce our panel members in, in very brief or short order here. Jennifer Ronk is a Senior Sustainability Manager with Dow. Kristen Oldendorf is with the City of Baltimore. Haisuk Chung is with the Baltimore Civic Fund, and Cody Marshall is with the Recycling Partnership. Um, as Liz mentioned, that the, the purpose of today's of this, this session is to talk about collaboration across the private public sector, um, and that's where we all come from. Everybody on stage comes from that background. Mm -hmm. uh, as we described in the abstract for this conversation, uh, recycling rates in the country are only at 30%. Um, that leaves an awful lot of room for improvement. Uh, many companies and organizations have their own sustainability strategies, and those are typically worked in a vacuum. So what we're hoping to, to convey today is that when organizations come together and collaborate, they can create more good together than they would otherwise be able to do individually. Uh, in particular, the collaboration we're talking about today is, is one that recently came into effect in the city of Baltimore, where in this public-private uh, collaboration, we were able to implement uh, waste collection and recycling programs across the city of Baltimore. Some 200,000 rollout carts were recently implemented across the city and are now being used to collect waste and recycling materials. Um, so hopefully over the next few minutes you'll hear how this program came to be, how the people on this stage collaborated to deliver a project that, that was long overdue. Um, can I ask each of you to briefly introduce who you are in a bit more detail than I did, who you are, what you do, and who you do it for? Cody, can I start with you, please? Absolutely. Um, so Cody Marshall with the Recycling Partnership, and um, I was... Uh, um, really thrilled and, and privileged to be a part of the team that started the partnership about about eight years ago. And so you might know uh, our what we do with granting. Um, and so I'll talk a bit about that with specifically with Baltimore. But our organization has evolved um, and grown. So we do about twenty. Um, I manage about a, a a granting portfolio of about twenty million dollars a year. And. Um, and then our organization has evolved into working on policy. Um, uh, packaging circularity, and data and research. So we're kind of touching uh, bits and pieces of, of the circular economy that, that needs to improve, and I'm just thrilled thrilled about this partnership and, and happy to be here. Thanks. Great. Um, 
Hi, my name is Hesuk Chong. I am the president of the Baltimore Civic Fund. We are a traditional nonprofit created by the city. Um, we serve as a grants administrator, grant management, and P3 office for the city. Many of you who uh, represent different cities and jurisdictions will have an office similar to ours. Uh, we're very unique in that we are a nonprofit, and so we um, get pulled into a lot of complex, uh, very uh, big projects on behalf of the mayor. I'm Kristen Ollendorf. I'm chief of the Office of Waste Diversion for the Bureau of Solid Waste uh, within Baltimore City Department of Public Works. So we manage the city's uh, recycling program and uh, all the other recycling contracts as well at the community drop-off centers. And also in the last few years, I've been doing a lot more with food waste reduction and composting. Mm -hmm. uh, so really trying to achieve uh, a lot of waste diversion goals for the city. Um, and so, yeah, this... We had a couple uh, projects with the Recycling Partnership, and so we'll talk more about this one. Thanks. And hi there, I am Jennifer Ronk. I work for Dow, which is a large polyethylene manufacturer. Um, and I'm a sustainability manager, which when you're working in plastic, sustainability management is a lot about how do you get materials back into the circular economy and keep those molecules moving, all while thinking about carbon. Great, thanks. Kristen, can I start with you, please? Um, City of Baltimore, could you share a little bit about the origins of the program? What, what was the starting point and, and the impetus behind this collaboration? And prior to the, that, what was the level of recycling that was available in the city? Yeah, so it's, uh, it's been a long road. Um, I've been working for Baltimore City government for 12 years, and I think even before then, there was really a need for city-issued curbside recycling carts, especially with lids. Um, and for some background, uh, collection, recycling collection in the city is uh, performed by the city, uh, city-owned fleet, city employees are our crews, mm -hmm. and residents do not need to sign up for collection. Um, there's no separate fee for service. They don't need to set up an account or anything like that. So it's been offered and it's, you know, you know it's there. But I think because in some ways, because it's so open-ended, a lot of people aren't really aware of it. Um, and we never had city-issued bins before. Uh, so residents had to provide their own container if they wanted to recycle, which led to its own set of issues because a lot of people would just use like a plastic garbage bag, uh, which of course is contamination. A lot of residents would get their own, um, any type of container, many of which didn't have lids. So we had a lot of uh, issues with uh, the recycling becoming litter, especially on windy days, like entire carts would blow over and you, or they'd be overflowing and you would just have recycling everywhere. Um, and it, you know, it was difficult for our crews as well as they're trying to like get through the routes quickly and they have like this whole, all types of different containers piled up and cardboard, bag, cardboard boxes like not even in a container, just all over the place. Um, so it was really challenging uh, in that way. Um, and especially, you know, Baltimore, if you're not familiar with it, you should come visit, but <laughs> we are a waterfront city um, and we have a really beautiful waterfront. But because of that, we have to be really careful to keep litter out of that waterfront. Mm -hmm. uh, and our storm drain systems actually drain directly into the waterways that, you know, there's, they don't get treated at a water treatment plant first. So we actually have permits and regulations um, that require us to keep trash and sediments and other types of pollutants out of our storm drain systems and out of the waterways because um, that leads into the Chesapeake Bay and, you know, eventually into the ocean. Uh, so we actually have a lot of systems in place to try to uh, capture litter before mm -hmm. it's getting into the waterways and also to try to capture it um, at the end um, before it goes too far. So 
actually back in the 80s, we've uh, started a skimmer boat program. So we actually have boats that drive around the harbor and collect litter. Um, and also I, there was a presentation uh, on Monday about the water wheel. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, you should look up Mr. Trash Wheel. Uh, there's actually four trash wheels in Baltimore now um, run by the Waterfront Partnership. So I bring this up because the Waterfront Partnership estimated that from 2015 to 2020, uh, three of the water wheels collected over 1,170,000 plastic bottles. Wow. And that's only a portion of what's getting into the waterways. So those are plastic bottles that we should be capturing as recycling, not getting into the waterways. Um, so we really saw a need to improve our collection system, making sure those materials stayed in the carts and actually you know, got to the recycling facility. Um, so I had been familiar with Recycling Partnership for a long time and you know, was kind of interested in it. Um, and the funding really was an issue because back in 2016, we distributed uh, city-issued uh, municipal trash cans to all residents that we collect from. So basically, you know, same thing, cart with a lid and wheels. Mm -hmm. But at the time, there wasn't enough funding to also provide the recycling cart. So it was just the trash cans. So ever since then, really, we've been like, kind of like have looking for how can we make this happen. Um, so when I started with the Bureau of Solid Waste in 2019, I kind of reached out to the recycling partnership and they really indicated that they wanted to work with us. Um, we still had to figure out like how to make everything happen with the funding and the contracting mechanism. Um, and then COVID happened and that created a lot of setbacks. So it was a very long road, which we'll talk about, but I wanna say like right off, right away, uh, we really appreciate Recycling Partnership kind of being patient with us and solution oriented. Uh, we were able to get there and the carts are there as you just saw. Before I come to Recycling Partnership, so Cody, just one second. Uh, I talked in my earlier comments about um, the importance of sustainability strategies and goals. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me anything about goals in the city of Baltimore or, or Maryland, the state on a wider level that help move this project forward? Yeah, absolutely. So we have a lot of goals to increase recycling participation in the amount of recycling we're collecting. Uh, in the state of Maryland, actually, the Maryland Recycling Act um, has a goal of 35% recycling by weight um, for counties of our size. When Baltimore City is an independent city, we're not part of a bigger county. So while the state law applies on a county basis, it applies to us like by ourselves. Um, so we haven't ever reached 35%. We've been around 20%. Um, so it really, yeah, so we know that like being able to increase participation and have uh, more space for residents to recycle is really important. Um, also, the city's sustainability plan recommends recycling carts and DPW's Less Waste Better Baltimore plan, uh, which the mayor mentioned in that video, um, recommends city-issued recycling carts. And uh, throughout the Less Waste Better Baltimore plan was actually the result of a multi-year planning process, which included a benchmarking report um, with five other cities, all of which had city-issued recycling carts. Uh, we also had four town halls and an online survey. So we heard directly from residents that they really saw this as a need. Um, and some of them actually said that like a reason they had issues with waste diversion is that they felt recycling wasn't that accessible and they didn't have a big bin. Um, and the majority, I think like 85% of people agreed with the statement that the city should do more to increase access to recycling, uh, including issuing a city, uh, a city cart to all residents for free. Perfect. I think we'll come back and talk a little bit about measurement and success mm -hmm. a little bit later on. Cody, over to you now, please. Um, you explained a little bit about TRP and how you work. 
Specifically in this case, in this project, how did you get involved? Kristen's already mentioned she had knowledge of you, but how did you get to know her? Yeah, absolutely. So the Recycling Partnership is a, is a really proactive grantor. Communities around the country um, that need this type of support don't often have the resources to look for grants, uh, write applications to apply for grants, and so we reach out. So for about five years, we, well, five years ago or so, we've reached out to uh, major cities. We've, we've mapped landscape recycling across the U.S. We know that 40 million homes um, lack equitable access. You know, they can't, people can't recycle as easy as they can throw something away. And we've identified those locations and what their needs are. Knowing, uh, so we kind of knew what Baltimore needed, and these carts are a foundational um, piece of infrastructure for recycling to have success in a region. So it's kind of one of our core uh, grants that we provide. And so when they reached out in, in 2019 that they're, they're ready, we were excited um, because w when we first spoke, they just weren't there. Um, and so in parallel, we're getting to work trying to raise the amount of funds we can provide. So we get in discussion, we listen to their problems and say like, all right, this is how much granting we can provide. And Kristen is just like, nah, still <laughs> increase. So, so we kind of like, We've capped out. We, we raised our granting, but capped out, and then, and then through conversations over the years with Dow, we thought it would be so great if we could start, like, let's cut those, the, the cost of those carts in half. Um, with, and, and that's what resin is, about half of the cost of carts. And um, so we knew that was a, an opportunity, so we were able to get some resin donated. Uh, Dow donated resin to us. We went back to Kristen and said, what do you think about this idea? Um, so really, we're able to provide a $3 million grant value with resin in, in grant cash uh, to, to get this thing over the line. Perfect. Mm -hmm. So Heisuk, yeah. what was your role in all of this? Uh, oh, our role. Um, so uh, having been in public service as long as I have, whenever you want to lift up a complicated project like this, especially in financing, which I deemed this to be a very complicated because we had a resin, a resin donated, we had, so that's in kind. We had um, other dollars that were from uh, public um, funds, and then we had a zero interest loan. So a city's Department of Finance just had a hard time accepting uh, or actually thinking through how it would work in terms of implementing and operationalizing a financing projects. So that's when uh, DPW pulled us in. And we were able to kind of move the barriers and really connect the dots and how to push this forward through our legislative and executive process. So we really ended up being the, uh, the home of some of the financing mechanisms. Great, thank you. No, a follow-on question then. Um, what role did um, partners like the, the Baltimore Civic mm -hmm. Fund, the Grants Office, and the P3 Office play in the project like this. And can you also, I understand there were other partners involved, yep. closed loop. Yep, closed loop. Can yep. you also explain their role? Sure, so when, um, I think when Cody and Kristen, what they framed is just, once they landed on what the financing would look like, you know, there are different partners within city government that have to be involved. and. Most, you know, I, I was in a city where we had a separate P3 office. We had another Grants Administration office. In Baltimore, we didn't have multiple offices, but we had one office. Um, and we 
I think timing was everything for us because, because of COVID and things had to move really fast. Instead of going through the natural path of going to the d director of finance, actually a lot of projects were redirected to us by the mayor. And this allowed us to kind of uh, tap into um, not curtail executive and financing projects. We have very complicated, as many of us know, in municipal financing, you have to have a lot of uh, due process and you know RFPs need to go out a certain way. And so we were able to kind of piecemeal things together and not just only side past that, but we were able to do it in a way that really was a win-win for the city so that both uh, executive and legislative partners were all in agreement with the way that we wanted to move forward. The other thing was about timing. I think timing was, um, if we went to the traditional route, I think it would have even taken another two years to get to where we, we wouldn't be here right now. And so I think um, given that the urgency that the mayor conveyed to the agencies and partners, we were able to move forward. And we did you know, go through the legislative executive. We put a package together that uh, followed every protocol that the city would require, but we also did it in a way that could be expedited. Um, when there was the explanation to us that there was going to be a zero interest loan from closed loop partners, um, of course, the financing off team could not understand how a jurisdiction could take a loan like this or even take in-kind donation from Dow for resin. So really, we had to step up our nonprofit arm to be able to say on behalf of the city, we will do X, Y, and Z. And so, of course, there were a lot of three-way contracts, legal team, everything um, takes a long time within the city. But because we have separate teams for everything, we were able to move things a lot quickly. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Jennifer, I'm most intrigued by your presence and your role here. As you introduced yourself, you're a huge manufacturer of polyethylene material. Um, how did you get involved in a project and how did you start to convince leadership about donating material to this initiative. Yeah. Well, and we've always tried to find opportunities for plastic with purpose. So we had worked, for example, donating trash bags to people who were doing litter pickups. Mm -hmm. But that was so much easier in a lot of ways, right? Because we would work with one of our customers, we could send them from resin, they'd blow the bags, and we just mailed them to these little tiny nonprofits that, right, just took a little box of bags from us. This was a little bit different, but we've been members of the Recycling Partnership for a long time. And they were talking about another city, Milwaukee, in the first right. place that was close to being able to have all the money that they needed to do for their project, but not quite there. And I started out making a phone call going, so we did this for trash bags. Can we do this for recycling carts? What do you think? And I got, well, I don't know how that'll work, but if you can figure it out, yeah, we can probably do it. And we've been you know, selling resin to Rurig for a really long time, and we were pretty lucky that they were the ones that were selling the carts to Milwaukee. And we had a phone call with them, and they more than got on board. I mean, first of all, sure, we're gonna send them some free stuff, that's great. But you know, let's be clear, you also discounted the price of your carts quite a lot beyond just the resin that we donated. So they've been great partners in this. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, Cody calls us up and says, so that was great. How about Baltimore for 200,000 carts? And I was like, ooh, we're gonna have to have a conversation about this, but let's see if we can figure yeah. it out. Yeah. 
Um, but you know, why is it important to us might be one of the questions. And you know, Kristen talked about the material that's flying out of open carts that's getting into the water. That's not okay. We have very strong goals around how we are not going to let that happen. So carts that have lids on are important. Mm -hmm. And frankly, we want to sell more recycled plastic. We're selling resins that have PCR um, from both mechanical and advanced recycling processes. And if we're going to have the feedstock that we need to sell that recycled content that our customers want, we need everybody to have recycling so we can get it all back. Great. Similar question to the one I asked Kristen earlier on. I love sustainability strategy. I love goals. If you don't have goals, stuff doesn't get done and it doesn't get measured. And we'll come back to measurement again. But can you tell me a little bit about Dow's goal, sustainability strategy mm -hmm. goals and ambitions and how that aligns to this type of initiative? Yeah, last year, and we have been setting 10-year goals since 2005. So we are on our third set of 10-year sustainability goals right now. In addition to that, last year we called our breakthrough targets to stop the waste, close the loop, and protect the climate. And the stop the waste goal includes that our investments will help 1 million metric tons of plastic be you know, stopped from going to the environment or to landfill by 2030. So clearly, if we're handing out carts that help more material get back, that's helping us meet that goal. Our close the loop goal is that all of the resin that we sell into packaging applications by 2035 will be recyclable. Well, if it's going to be recyclable, that doesn't make any sense if we can't actually get it recycled. So we really think that this is the kind of thing that's critical if we're going to meet our goals. Great. Thank you. Now, Kristen, we've got donated resin, we've got a cash grant, we've got a manufacturer um, that's willing and able to, to manufacture this. How, what's next? How did this um, all come together? Yeah, it, um, so it, we really appreciated how much everyone stepped up and like tried to fill that gap because, you know, even though this was such a generous donation, Baltimore was really struggling. I mean, it was COVID, we had budget cuts, we had people on furlough, there were hiring freezes. So it was hard to make the case that like, yeah, we want to spend a few million dollars on recycling carts now is the time. <laughs> um, so those partnerships were really key. And so yeah. like everyone on the stage, like it wouldn't have happened without these partnerships. Mm -hmm. um, and that zero interest loan from closed loop really, really helped from the city side so that we didn't have to spend those millions of dollars all at yeah. once. We were able to uh, phase it out. Um, but yeah, but it was hard for the city to understand like, well, how are we accepting like plastic resin and then like, and, you know, this in-kind donation from RIRG and like this grant money, like they just couldn't figure out from a legal and financial sense, like, mm -hmm. you know, we're, they're just not used to accepting grant packages like that. So Civic Fund was really key in being able to pull all that together. Um, and accept these different, like, very different types of donations, all as this, like, big grant package, um, and be able to kind of be our financial partner in this. Um, so, you know, from the city's perspective, we handled the logistics and the operations of, you know, m making sure people knew what was going on and that the carts were getting out and, um, you know, collecting them now, obviously. Um, but we really needed, like, the Civic Fund partnership and everyone's, um, you know, like, generous donations to pull it all together. Thank you. Staying with you for one more moment, um, Cody touched on the, the 40 million households that lack um, access to, to systems today. How did you um, make sure that the program in Baltimore would be equitable and accessible to as many people as possible? 
Yeah, equity is really important for us. Um, so when thinking about, there were a couple things. When thinking about the order of the distribution, like you can't hand out all these carts in one day, it took several months. So mm -hmm. thinking through like, well, you know, who gets them first? Um, we wanted to try to give that opportunity, like to bring the carts first to neighborhoods that we felt like had the opportunity to increase the recycling. Mm -hmm. um, so someone who worked for me at the time created the Recycling Opportunity Index, uh, which if you just like search online, Recycling Opportunity Index Baltimore, you can find this. Um, so it's a really great map broken up by community statistical area, um, mm -hmm. and it kind of shows like where is there not that much recycling right now, but there's a potential to increase it. Um, we had a really great intern from University of Baltimore who helped develop that. Um, so that helped outline like the order of distribution of the carts. Um, and then also with the outreach aspect, um, you know, every cart came with like a cart welcome package that had information on it. And there was a lot of general outreach as well. Uh, but we wanted to do like targeted outreach in different communities um, as well. And, you know, going to neighborhood or like community association meetings, we always do, but then you're kind of only getting the people who would like bother to go to a neighborhood mm -hmm. meeting. Um, and, you know, social media is great, but then, but also like how many people are following DPW on Facebook or, so we um, actually did like resource pop-up fairs in different neighborhoods, uh, which was helpful because we reached a lot of people who were just like walking by and saw us there or came for like you know, we had free trees and mulch and plants, so maybe they were coming for that. Um, so it was like a lot of different partners, or we'd partner with like a local church. Um, and those have been going on for a long time, um, really from like the stormwater section of our office, which is all connected. Um, so we were able to take that opportunity to really share information about recycling and ask people, you know, did you get your cart? Do you have questions about it? Um, so that was like a good way to like really get to communities and talk to people one-on-one. -on -one. Um, so yeah, we we're fortunate to really be able to like think through all aspects of this. And we, DPW actually has a grant office. Uh, that was really key as well because they had the kind of expertise to pursue these grants and like figure out how to make it work. Um, and then further down the line, we had a project manager like just dedicated to this project. Um, so yeah, even just within our department of DPW, it took a lot of partnership to like get through it all and make it happen. Great. As a side note, I love the fact that the mayor was out delivering carts. Oh, amazing. he had a great time. That was game changing stuff. It was, he had a great time. And if one thing Kristen didn't mention was that particular event, the, uh, the Civic Association, the Neighborhood Association really came through and um, we were just surprised how excited the neighbors were. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Continuing on oh, while you're speaking, thank you for that. Um, <laughs> for, for those in the room not yeah. so familiar with the, the funding mechanisms <laughs> in the public sector, guilty, I don't yeah. either. Yeah. Um, can you explain a little bit about how the funding in this type of project works? Yeah, I, I mean, this isn't a typical municipal financing project. I mean, I think um, any legislation or any policy that you want to implement, some of it will come from the city and city budgets. Um, but I think what's unique about this is that, you know, it came at a time when the city is very depleted. We were going through furloughs and we had a project that we wanted to lift up and we started conversations even before 2019. So it had been in the works for quite some time. So we had to come back to the city to say, you know, how can we do this? We have some money in the stormwater fund, but we can't access it right away um, for various reasons. And so we had to kind of come out with a financial 
a plan almost, like a strategic plan for the city to say, this is what is possible. And so, like Kristen said, uh, with all the partners up here bringing forward how much they could invest in what way, we were able to piece all that together to say, this is a solid plan, there's no risk, and we can commit the uh, $4 million from the city side so we can move forward with this. And so, um, it did take a lot of advocacy, internal advocacy, as someone who came from the social service sector, you know, just policy alone, once approved and once in the budget doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna be operationalized. You really have to have a project manager and have everybody kind of laser focus on the implementation of that project. And I think DPW with the project manager on board, working with my team, um, it really, as Kristen said, was kind of the financing trail um, that we had to actually create in a readable way, in a feasible way, so that everybody in the Department of Finance and the executive team at the mayor's office understood the project mm -hmm. and why it would be a six-month distribution, why it would take a zero-interest loan from Close Loop, and why we could take donated resin from Dow. <laughs> the donation piece, the in-kind for city, is a foreign concept. Because if you think about government, you know, they take cash. Yes, we know are. cash. We know what levies do. We know what cash at hand is. But in-kind donation and how we document for that um, and how we recognize Dow for contributing to that for a municipal project. I mean, all of that was, again, paper trail, you know? And so uh, it was interesting, yeah. It was a little weird for us. Yeah. I actually had one person ask me if I was gonna like deliver the resin to Cody, and then what was he gonna do with it? <laughs> I, I had a ton of resin, I know. a ton of resin oh, in the house. And, and we had to create an LLC so that, again, um, if you're interested in P3, I'm not an expert in P3, but my understanding is that it's a shared risk project, the private-public partnerships, everybody involved shares a risk. And so we had to go to the board, because I'm a nonprofit, and we um, had to create an LLC to make sure that uh, risk was uh, abated that way. And so, and we presented that to the mayor and the board, and they were okay with that. And again, it is very common to do these things. I think having a project with all the multiple pieces was what's unique about it. And I think um, we, at the Civic Fund, um, do everything from summer youth programs. When I say do everything, the financing part of it, this was one of the most complicated yeah. because of the type of funding streams that came through. Great. So carts are on the street now. Yep. Cody, coming back to you, please. I know one of TRP's high-level goals is to support the increase in recycling and recovery mm -hmm. rates in the US. We talked a little bit about measurement early on. So now, how do we measure the success of a program like this mm -hmm. in Baltimore? Yeah, so our, our metrics are, are critical to how we fund future cities. So um, um, every one of our grants has a specific project uh, process to, to track the increase of recyclables against the baseline um, because uh, those metrics are our ROI. We don't get paid back, they are grants. Um, and then we have to share that with funders like Dow to say this is why this is important. And in the city of Baltimore, we have a contractual arrangement with uh, the Civic Fund in, mm -hmm. in the city of Baltimore. Um, and so we know what recycling was and we will be tracking for the next year um, and hopefully beyond um, with simple scale tickets as what recycling looks like now. Um, and so this project specifically, when we did the projections, um, these carts, which seem like a kind of a, a simple thing, everybody should just have carts, many of you probably have carts at your home. Um, we're projecting the, uh, these carts rolling out to every home in Baltimore um, 
will, uh, will equal roughly, um, I think, 40 million new pounds of recyclables in the next, uh, over the next 10 years. And when we do projects, I want to say over the next 10 years, uh, these carts are on the ground year after year. We want to make sure we have sustainable projects over time. It's not like a one and done thing and we go on to the next city. We want to make sure anything we grant lasts long after the investment. Great. I probably should have asked this question before, but um, how do you, how, is there an education element to this program in order to get consumers more aware about what's going to be put into which container, for instance? Absolutely. Our grants, our, our infrastructure grants always come with education. So Baltimore received the, the grant from us. They also get a project manager on the recycling uh, uh, partnership team, along with designers to help them with education. So one thing you see hanging off the cart and these pictures is a little packet of information that each cart gets designed by the recycling partnership and obviously in partnership with the city of Baltimore with all of their information. It's all city information that we just help design and then provide money for printing, printing that material. Got it. Mm -hmm. 40 million households is the target. This checked about 100,000 by my calculation off that list. What's next for TRP? Yeah, um, the, so this, this checked 200,000 households. 200, oh, 200. Yeah. yeah, yeah, come on, you missed 100,000. <laughs> um, these metrics are important to us. Exactly. Uh, so we're hoping to build that, that resin that we can donate. Um, so that's, uh, that's top of mind, but we're also looking to uh, improve access for multifamily recycling. Uh, we are also working hard and evolving and providing more offerings for, for grant equipment, uh, for, for grants there, but then also just providing resources, um, free resources to, to cities and recycling programs all over the country. They can grab, whether it's DIY signs or a national database, just free stuff that cities don't often have the chance to kind of build themselves. So, so themselves. So we're, we're constantly trying to provide resources where com that communities desperately need. Mm -hmm. Okay. Can I, we have a little bit over nine minutes left and before yeah. we open it up to questions from the floor, could I ask you just each to yeah. re, can I say one thing? Though? Of course you can. I, just hearing Cody talk, I don't think we're doing justice for Kristen and, and Cody because I, I want to say we have national partners come to Baltimore all the time where they're asking the mayor or I not to work with actual city jurisdiction because of the slowness of movement. So the fact that we were able to move this at a time when we had an executive transition and we had partners in a type of way or financing that never happened before in the city um, and a city that was getting some negative press around crime. I, I don't think, I, I think we're underselling kind of Cody's uh, involvement and, and DPW's de department to really lift this up at a time that projects like this during COVID would not go forward. Because as this was happening, we were doing the COVID response and we had national funders say we would come in but not connect with the city, but we would give it to the civic fund. So that just goes to show you kind of the political landscape we were working in. And so to lift this up and have national partners like Dow come to Baltimore was a big deal. And I, I would say that was a big deal for us. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you yeah. emphasizing the, the importance of that collaboration. I, I completely agree. And maybe a, 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 if you could each just have a personal reflection or closing comment about what you personally took from it, the highlight, and maybe in a way that encourages others to go back into their organizations to seek out these collaborations you know, aligned on a common purpose where 
you know, the collective power of individuals can be amplified through that type of partnership. Jennifer, could you start us off, please? And I think where this starts is really looking for those opportunities for doing new and different kinds of collaboration, mm -hmm. right? We, we had all done kind of little pieces of this before, but we put it together in this newer and interesting and big way. And there are more opportunities like that in this world if we're willing to just talk to and think about different ways of solving these problems. Yeah. And and stick with it. I mean, you talked about yeah. how it went fast, but yeah. look at how soon, and for years you guys were talking to Cody and That's TRP, right. and what does it look like? Don't give up when things get slow, <laughs> because that happens, right? You know, change goes, you know, up and down and up and down, yeah. and then we all sit on a panel like this, and we make it sound like it was one smooth road, oh. and it was beautiful, and it's, it's never a smooth road, no. but if you're willing to go, oh, this is just the down part, we're going to keep working because we can get to that goal, together we can get to that goal. Uh, yeah, I would agree. Um, don't give up when things get tough. We had so many obstacles and even <laughs> changes in leadership with a new mayor, a new, actually we went through two directors and an acting director of the department, a uh, mm -hmm. new bureau head of solid waste. So, and you know, every time you have to like kind of re- yeah discuss why this was important. So there were a lot of times where it felt like an uphill battle and um, even when the carts were like on their way, like they're getting delivered today, I didn't feel excited yet because I still felt like, I don't know, something's gonna go wrong. <laughs> I know. So I went down like to the yard where they were getting delivered and then when I like actually saw them in person, I was like, wow, like we actually did it. And, uh, it you like, sent me pictures of it. I was day. taking yeah. selfies with the carts. It was very exciting. So even though uh, we had a lot of obstacles along the way, we yep. did, it happened, they're yep. there. Um, and yeah, and partnerships really made that happen. Yep. Um, we couldn't have done it alone. So yeah, with that in mind, I think my thoughts are like, you know, think about your partnerships and who you can partner with yep. in your own work to make sustainability happen. Yep. And, and I think this project is a testament that you can't take no for an answer, like in, especially in setting government where innovation is really hard to come by. So we're lucky that we had a mayor who was really, you know, pushing us, but I, I think both Kristen and I, I, if we took no at any point in time over the last three years, we would have yeah, yeah stopped the project. Uh, and I think I was relatively new to Baltimore. I moved there um, from DC in 2019. So I had the sentiment like, if this is no, then I'm gonna make it happen. Because like in government, if we're responsible for projects like this and we're internally saying no, it can't happen. Imagine what it's like if, I mean, just we're creating our own barriers and so we really I think the commitment from the mayors and actually we went through three mayors at time remember so uh, so we had quite uh, internal upheaval, uh, but we stuck to it we didn't take no we also I, I think defining innovation is really hard in government I think uh, when we were going through the strategic plan with mayor uh, Scott you know everything they labeled innovative, I, I kept saying, that's core service. Uh, potholes are core service. You know, recycling is core service. So I'm like, where would the innovation piece come? So I think for city officials and county officials, like, innovation is really hard. I think um, we were, I think just the fact, the pure fact that we stuck, stuck through during a really trying time was um, just a commitment from staff and leadership. And I think that would be my only advice is just make sure that you're relentless in you know, advocating for your leaders to stick to, with this. Mm -hmm. um, because there's a lot of you know, conflicting 
objectives and opportunities for other projects like this. And so um, I, I would say that would be the big kind of lesson learned for me. Cody, any words of wisdom? No wisdom, but I do hope that folks here have heard that this is people driven. And um, if we're going to solve any of these giant environmental issues we have, mm -hmm. uh, it takes people. So this type of stuff, it, it's, it's the constant thing, the common factor between all of our grants, all of our partnerships mm -hmm. is, is champions to make things happen. And so um, I, I, I hope you heard that this would not happen without local champions like the folks you see here, um, Heisuk and, and Kristen, and then champions within organizations, Dow and Rarig couldn't really make that happen unless they wanted to take it forward. It, it's really people driven. Great. Thank you. And we would love to do more of the same. So, um, Liz, I think we have a few more minutes for questions if there are any, please. Thank you. This was super informative. I had a question because, Cody, you touched upon it. I'm curious what are the challenges in kind of expanding this for multifamilies or apartment complexes? Because oftentimes in the recycling kind of infrastructure, that's, that's a part of the community that doesn't get access. That's right. So what are the biggest challenges and what are you looking at for that? Uh, the biggest challenges is so many stakeholders involved in multifamily properties. So single family is a little bit more straightforward, meaning the government entity is charged with providing services. Mm -hmm. Multifamily properties are commercial. So who's responsible? We've, we've gone to locations uh, in the country and we've uh, around the country and we said, hey, Holler, would you like a grant to start multifamily? They're like, mm, go to the city. Hey, city, would you like a grant for multifamily? Mm, go to the property owners. Hey, property owners, would you like a grant? Like, we'll work with you to try to expand access access. It's just like, it's a real challenge with like who's on first mm. and where we've seen success to not just focus on the barriers is multifamily ordinances. Frankly, there's, you can put incentives in place like in Orlando and in San Antonio um, to kind of force these properties to provide the service. Um, and, and that's one way we, we've seen success. No more questions. I know all of your cities and counties are going to do this. <laughs> going to I, reach out. I have a question for you. What's next? Where will you be rolling out this elsewhere? Ooh. That's a Cody question. That's for me? Cody, yeah. Cody, yes. Cody, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. And perhaps. <laughs> uh, so, so we have about 100 active projects right now we were we just we try to kind of build regionally so we've just provided a grant to laurel maryland um so you start to see these snowballs when you have kind of the the core city in a region make big improvements mm -hmm. um so it's uh more resin could reach more cities um <laughs> so so that's kind of we're, we're just kind of trying to, to push yep. nationally and build those regional regional models yep. sounds good Keep us posted. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Thank we you. Are, we are bang on time, actually. Yes. So again, Jennifer, Kristen, Hasuk, and Hody, Cody, thanks so much for joining us on stage and, and sharing your part and your contribution to this project. And uh, many thanks. Thank you thanks. for everything yeah. you thanks, Jonathan. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We couldn't have done it without you. Yes. <laughs>